Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the Dugout from Sports Mall. I'm Pascal Amet and Barney Cork is here again to talk Premier League, the League Cup final, La Liga and more. Barnes, let's start with yesterday's game at Old Trafford. Man United beating Arsenal with a load of kids out. Have the Gunners blown it in the title race? It looks that way, doesn't it? And scarcely believable that they've done it again because, you know, this season we've said so many times that it's their best chance to win the title since they last won it with the Invincibles. With so many teams dropping points that would usually be up there around there, United included, of course, Chelsea, the champions, nowhere near defending their title, City struggling as well. It just looked made for Arsenal to do it and throughout large parts of the season they looked like they had the actual the mental fortitude to finally do it, but they've just collapsed again in the last week or so and all the more disappointing as it came after that uh, that victory against Leicester which he thought would just be catapult them up to the top of the table to win in that sort of style against the league leaders having been behind to get it in the, the 95th minute winner was you know, that that's got to give everyone at the club a massive boost so to then draw against Hull in the FA Cup lose to Barcelona in the Champions League okay that wasn't too surprising but then lose to Manchester United a trip to Old Trafford's never an easy game especially for Arsenal where United will always raise their game because it's such a big rivalry but you look at the two team sheets in that match and you have to go a long way back to find two more mismatched teams than that United's just so injury ridden at the moment it's such a disappointing result for Arsenal a draw you know, it might have been a satisfactory result, but to lose that, particularly with some of the other results that happened at the weekend, is just absolutely gutting for them. And it's a huge, huge, maybe fatal blow to their title hopes. I know, it's been such, like you said, since that massive Leicester win, those those three games. I mean, even the Barca one where, you know, they actually, you know, did did okay in that game against Barca, who probably weren't firing on all cylinders, but they couldn't take their chance when they came. And obviously that's them, well, pretty much definitely out of Europe now. And then... Yeah, like I said, against United, with that team United put out, you know, you had you know def- uh, midfielders playing in defence, um, you know, all the youngsters there. I mean, I know they're very hungry to impress these youngsters, but, you know, you had a, a guy named on the bench. I can't remember his name, actually, the guy that came off the bench in the second half. He, he obviously, and then Rojo getting injured, one of the other senior defenders also getting injured during the game. Uh, Rashford, you know, did fantastically, obviously, on his debut in the Europa League uh, a few days before, but then... Some words, just the, the senior players underperforming. I mean, Sanchez for a good month now since he, you know, came back uh, from his latest injury, he's been really below par. Just, he, I mean, when he, when he first came back, I remember the first game he came back. I remember watching, and thinking he looks really hungry here, and you could just see he wanted to get the ball, and he looks so dangerous. But in every game since then, that I've seen Arsenal. He keeps fading in and out, really not doing a lot. Özil, you know, he'll, he'll get another assist for swinging in the free kick for Welbeck, but. You know he's been quiet in those games. He was really poor against uh, Barcelona. Or he'll struggle to really have an impact. And all these senior players, and then you've got people like Gabriel at the back, just making fatal errors. That just gifting, you know, um, you know, gifted Rashford his first goal with that really bad clearance, and then didn't track him for the second goal. You know, I know Rashford's done well to get into these positions, and he's stuck them away well, but he shouldn't have had it nowhere near as easy to score those goals. So just so many players up and down the pitch not performing, and you know where it leaves them in the title race now, five points behind Leicester. And the way it's going for them with that massive game against uh, Spurs coming up as well, it's. I think that you know maybe they have blown it again. Yeah, and 
the thing is, they could be eight points uh, behind Leicester by the time they play their next match because Leicester playing on Tuesday, Arsenal on Wednesday. So then it's looking even tougher for them. And you look at the, their running, they've got quite a lot of tough fixtures coming up. They've got Man City in the penultimate game of the season as well, which uh, at the Etihad, that's a really tough game. So they've probably got the toughest running of any of the teams in the top four. You'd say now, with Man City having a game in hand for them, OK, they're um, four points behind Arsenal, but I'd personally put Man City in a stronger position now to finish higher in the table than Arsenal with the damage that um, United defeat has done. And you're right to point out the defence. There's been a lot of praise for Rashford and he deserves a lot of praise for coming in and scoring four goals in two games. Absolute dream start to his career, particularly as it came out of the blue pretty much in the Europa League when he wasn't initially named in the starting lineup, but came in, came in late to score those two goals. But... Arsenal didn't make it too hard for him to get those two goals. A good positioning, good instinct, good predatory play to, to to finish them off and be in the right place at the right time. Something you can't really teach that. But Arsenal's defending, as you rightly pointed out, was terrible. And even for the the, the third goal under Herrera's goal, okay, it took a big deflection. You can look at a bit of luck for that, but they, they just gave him too much time and space from that position in the field. So it's just poor performances all round. Defensively, you can't afford to ship that many goals against the United side who. They've been terrible going forward for large parts of the season. So to concede three at Old Trafford like that, really, really disappointing for Arsene Wenger. And there's a lot of criticism for Theo Walcott, especially another pretty nondescript uh, performance from him. And he's on, I think it's £140,000 a week. He's still, he's still wondering if he's a striker or a wide man. He's still wondering, is he good enough to make this Arsenal starting eleven? He just hasn't really progressed enough over the, over the last 10 years. You look mm. all the way back to when he was... Um, named by England in the World Cup squad to much uh, controversy having not played a game for Arsenal at that point and he just hasn't, hasn't really progressed into that and it's just all through the Arsenal team there's players like that who just don't seem good enough of K they've got great players like Sanchez and Ozil who as you, as you point out are, have been a bit inconsistent in recent weeks but on the most part have been fantastic this season the likes of Ramsey as well has had, had a decent season but there's a lot of players who are just 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 a tiny bit short of making them into the title contenders. We've talked about Walcott and Giroud, are they good enough to lead the line? And I think in recent weeks, it might have proved that they're not good enough to lead the line for a title winning side. Yeah, definitely. And that's, you know, going back to that Barcelona game, you know, they definitely, they create chances against a team like Barca who are usually, you know, canter to most victories. And they, they say if they had had a clinical finisher in the box, you know, for, I mean, for the Oxlade-Chamberlain one especially, um, they could have easily got a goal in the first half there and that might change the complexion of that game. And, then you've got Barca maybe chasing it a bit more and it could have all been different and you know the it all goes back to Arsene Wenger really doesn't it you know he's there on the I mean I know Van Gaal you know wrote all the headlines yesterday with that ridiculous fall that he did on the touchline but you know Wenger the spotlight's on him again uh, has he done enough you know probably not and you think I mean I, I think he probably will still be there in the summer unless he you know decides to go himself I can't really see the board getting rid of him and it's whether he makes a move this summer there's talk of you know Higuain um maybe uh, leaving Napoli this summer and, but then would that I mean I know Higuain's had a great season would that be much of an upgrade for you on you know the likes of Giroud and Walcott yeah I think Higuain would be he's one of the best strikers in Europe at the moment this season he would certainly be an upgrade on Walcott I think Giroud he goes through these spells of seemingly scoring in every game and I've mentioned how impressed I am with his one touch finishing he scores so many goals just one touch inside the box and I do actually think Giroud is a very, very good centre forward. He's just not world class, and that's probably what the team is lacking at the moment, and has lacked for a long time, arguably since um, Thierry Henry left the club. So it's about a decade now they've been probably lacking that, and that could catapult them into being 
genuine title contenders and one of the better sides in Europe as well because behind the striker they've got a team which can really play okay they make defensive lapses now and again but they've got a team that can really play some good football so if they just had a striker who's going to get you 30 goals in all competitions in a season then that would put them on a just a completely different plane I think on the Arsene Wenger point whether he's going to leave at the end of the season there's obviously been so much speculation over him for about four or five years now if not longer whether he's going to stay whether he it's about time Arsenal got rid of him. I've always tended to back him, but this season would be particularly disappointing. One of the most disappointing seasons in a long time. If they fail to win the title this season with the race so open, and especially if Leicester, especially if Tottenham actually win the title, that's going to be an even bigger blow for, for Arsenal. You look at the other teams who would have expected to maybe be up there or thereabouts. They've all either changed their manager or are going to change their manager in the summer. So you'd expect Man United to be like that with Van Gaal. He's expected to leave in the summer. City are getting rid of Pellegrini. Chelsea have got rid of Mourinho. Even Liverpool got rid of Brendan Rodgers as well. So they've all obviously got ambitions and are telling their current managers that they haven't really done a good enough job. With the possible exception of Man City where just a better man's become available. So something for Arsenal to look at, whether they're ambitiously looking to to match all those teams again and get back to the very top it might be time for a change I, I don't really like saying managers it's time for managers to go and Wenger his legacy there is incredible he's done a superb job but you know it'll be 10 years without a league title now and there's been some really good chances for him to do it no none better than this year so if they fail to do it this year then serious questions will be asked of him I think yeah, and I think the thing with in terms of who would fit in there, you know, you'd probably say the way that Arsenal have played their football the last, you know, fifteen years, you know, you would have said that Guardiola would be the, the perfect man to go there, and maybe just take them to that next level. But he's obviously now going to City, and you just wonder. I mean, we, like you said, Wenger, he's done an incredible job there since ever since he took over, and he's obviously the only one really left of you know the, the long lasting managers in the Premier League. So it'd be harsh to, for him to go but then you just wonder who, who would be able to do a better job than him because he knows the club so well and it, is it just the fact that he hasn't you know signed the right players and in terms of his coaching and management you know Arsenal always plays some of the best football in the league so is it just the fact that he hasn't been I don't know backed by the board or he hasn't really gone after the right players but um, going back to the striker point you know you, you say about the world class striker thing you just you know you look at the two, two teams above Arsenal in the table now so you've got Spurs, who obviously Harry Kane, he's had a fantastic couple of years, but he's still very young. And then you've obviously got Vardy having the year of his life. But and would either of these, would you say either of those two Englishmen, if say they were playing for Arsenal, would they really make that difference for them? Well, that's an interesting point. I think Kane is proven that he, he would be a very, he's turning into a really good striker. There was question marks whether it would be a one-season wonder, but he's really backed that up this season. And his work rate is impressive. Impress, impresses me every time I see him, and his finishing is top-notch. He's He's a really good striker, a really good finisher. Vardy, again, the, the questions that dogged Kane last season are, are going to um, dog uh, Vardy next season if he's a one-season wonder or not. If he can back that up, he's obviously had a fantastic season and you'd have to think with him in the side, although he, he's probably not as technically gifted or as good a finisher maybe as Giroud might be, his work rate and everything is something that Arsenal tend to be lacking. Giroud doesn't really give them that. Walcott doesn't really give them that. He's He's got a lot of pace, but he doesn't close the defence down with as much gusto as a, the a likes of Jamie Vardy has. But then again, it's the style of the team as well. That's not really Arsenal's style to do that, whereas, whereas Leicester were all about high-octane stuff, energ, energetic play. Um, Arsenal, one of their best players over the, recent, over the last season has been Sanchez and that's how he plays and that's been really good so maybe if they had another player like him it would help them but I don't think 
they want to want to look for Jamie Vardy style player. I think more of a Higuain style player who who can join in with the fluid passing moves rather than just you know breaking on the counter attack because Arsenal always going to dominate possession and players like Vardy and to a lesser extent uh, extent Kane are better on the break than they are maybe when uh, teams are dominating possession and you need to break down the opposition team. Yeah, and I guess you so you either maybe want a striker who's just going to run for ages and just cause the defence those problems or. Maybe if you compare it to you know the striker who was on last year's title-winning team, Diego Costa, that that sort of player who's going to really you know annoy the other defence and you know really just because what the things Costa does, I mean, I really hate watching him. I think he's an absolute nightmare to watch, and the way that he plays the game, I think is is wrong in some senses. But he can really you know get to the other defence, and that that makes them just lose their head a bit, and maybe they won't focus as much on certain things, and they'll think more about him individually as opposed to their job in the back line and. Maybe that's what Arsenal need, and like you say, maybe Giroud and Walcott, you know, very good at certain things, but just missing that sort of complete package or maybe certain elements that might just help Arsenal where in like areas they're lacking. Yeah, and, and Arsenal that might spread throughout the whole team if they had a Diego Costa-like figure, someone who upsets the Avocat a bit. None of their players really do that. Sanchez, he's got a bit of bite about him, but he's never really the aggressor in challenges. He can just handle himself really. The only player really or players over the last couple of seasons they've had is, you know, Coquelin or Flamini in that defensive mm-hmm. midfield role. And you think back to the really successful Arsenal team, all of their players had a bit of bite to them. Adams, yep. Keown, Vieira, everyone like that could really handle themselves and hasn't haven't really got that in this current Arsenal side. That team had them throughout the side. You'd always expect one to be in defensive midfield in that Vieira role, which Arsenal have, to a lesser extent, carried on through Coquelin and Flamini down the years. But... Throughout the team, they don't really have that bite to them. You know, you can't imagine Ozil being up for the fight um, if someone goes hard on him early early on in the game. But they just need a bit more strength about them throughout the whole squad and determination. If play of teams rough them up a bit, then you know it's a good way to get under Arsenal's skin. And with someone like Diego Costa, obviously we're not suggesting they could sign Costa, but with someone like Diego Costa in the side, then you know it's going to be a lot tougher for other teams to, to do that. Yeah, and I think comparing some of the players, like you said, those the Vieira likes, you know, they were so good at what they did, and but then when you compare them to like Flamini, you know, that tackle he made on Messi is just so stupid. The one in the, like so, it's just like, they don't really have their heads. Some of these players sometimes, and even El Neni, you know, their new defensive midfielder they signed in January when he came on yesterday, he made so many stupid decisions, like silly fouls, um, just like on the ankle of the other players. There was two or three times he did that when Arsenal really chasing the game, just gifting United free kicks for them to waste another you know thirty seconds, and it just really not having their heads and it's the same with Flamini against Barca like I said with that tackle so for the time being Elneny you know from what I've seen he's, he's been very energetic in the couple of FA Cup games I've watched him playing but you know yesterday when the pressure was really on he couldn't handle it he was just like I said giving away silly free kicks and stuff so it looks like maybe they need that leader player in midfield and then maybe something different up front like you said but um, let's move on to uh, the, other, the other title contenders this weekend in action um, you yeah, know what Arsenal did yesterday made worse by how Leicester I mean Leicester and Spurs both winning but the way they won as well Leicester you know struggled for large parts of that game against Norwich didn't they but in the end came through Ajo uh, with the goal 89th minute I think it was and then Spurs uh, fell behind early to Swansea looked for a long time like they weren't going to get back in it because Fabianski made a load of good saves but eventually uh, Nasser Chadley got the equaliser and then uh, Danny Rose coming up with the winner so they both get three points uh, Leicester go five clear of Arsenal now Spurs three clear of Arsenal um, what did you make of the Leicester game you watched that one didn't you yeah I did and before the match, I was expecting the t- the two week break they had after that devastating, devastating Arsenal defeat. I thought that two week break would be 
perfect for them to, just to get their heads clear again. Ranieri gave them a, a full week off, which he said he'd never done before, never given players more than a three-day period off um, during the season. So it was an unprecedented move for him. And I thought that was that would have been a good move, but it sort of went the other way a bit. They they lacked all their usual fluency. They never really looked, got going. And you know this is top scorers in the league against uh, the worst defence in the league. You expected a pretty comfortable home victory, but Norwich, to their credit, they defended really well. They made things really difficult for Leicester. They closed down. They they played a different sort of formation with three at the back, which dropped to five at the back when Leicester had the ball. And they sat in a lot, which is not really what Leicester are used to. Leicester are used to the opposition having a lot of the ball and then hitting them on the break. But teams have uh, discovered that about them now. And I think from now until the end of the season, we've, we've mentioned Leicester. They've got the kindest run in of any of the title contenders. But it's gonna there's going to be a lot of difficult games like that now where team they they need to use their own guile to to break down teams rather than hitting them quickly on the on the counter attack but how many times down the years have we said victories like that are the sign of champions we didn't expect to be saying it about Leicester but you know to get that uh, that goal in the 89th minute after not playing at their best um being frustrated for long spells by Norwich to get that goal absolutely priceless and if the two week break uh, after the Arsenal game didn't didn't solve their problems and maybe get it completely out of their heads, then that victory definitely would because they won in a similar fashion to the, to the way they lost and they'll just be feeling over the moon to have got that victory because it looked like being a pretty damaging one for them because obviously Tottenham uh, and Arsenal were playing on Sunday, they could have closed the gap, they could have even gone, Tottenham could have even gone top of the league had Leicester only drawn that game on goal difference. So uh, yeah, a big, big victory for Leicester and a big victory for Tottenham as well, as you mentioned. Yeah, yeah, and just um, just going back to United quickly, what do you think about what that win could do for their season, just uh, before we move on to some of the other teams? You know, three points now behind City uh, in fourth place, who obviously City do have the game in hand because they had that League Cup final this weekend, but what about United? Any, we've sort of, we, you know, last week we sort of said, you know, wrote them off for the top four because, you know, we knew they were playing Arsenal and didn't really expect them to, you know, get a win in that game, but what about them now? Any, any chance now maybe they could go for the top four, even with all the injuries? I think there is a chance now. I think they've given themselves a huge boost for that victory, not only with the three points but the belief it will give them as you mentioned the gap is only three points now which is by no means unassailable and although uh, Man City do have a game in hand they've got some difficult games coming up the question is whether uh, United can can uh, maintain this current form they've done really well to get three back-to-back victories with their injuries you, you have to say that to their credit because they've been forced to name a makeshift side on so many occasions this season and for all the um, the criticism Louis, Louis Van Hal has had he's had to contend with some some terrible injury crisis so far this season so to still be in the mix for the top four he deserves a little bit of credit I mean he should be up there challenging for the title for the amount of money he spent but to have to have brought in the likes of Marcus Rashford given them uh, given faith in them and then be rewarded Rashford deserves a lot of credit for that as well I think they're back in the top four race I think still think it's going to be difficult and you can't uh, discount the likes of West Ham and Southampton who are both in decent form and not too far away themselves um it's all about the man city uh, game in hand i think if they if they win that game in hand and the rest of the top if arsenal bounce back quickly and you'd expect leicester and tottenham to be pretty much safe in that top 4 if arsenal can bounce back and city win their game in hand then it's going to make things difficult for united but that victory certainly puts the pressure on their local rivals and it's going to be interesting to see over the uh, final stages of the season whether they can salvage something because from that position You'd expect them to get before the season last summer. You'd expect them to get top four, but from the position they found themselves in at various stages of the season, towards the turn of the year, you know when Van Hal looked destined for the sack, to then make the top four would be regarded as something of a success under the circumstances. 
Yeah, and I think if, if City don't pull away and, you know, they sort of stay within, you know, touching distance, you know, heading into the next couple of months, you know, and say say City are still a, a little way back uh, behind the leaders, we know what their ambition is this season. It's the Champions League, isn't it? So maybe, you know, they might even... Because if, you know, they might just stop thinking about the Premier League a little bit and say, I don't know, say they get... We, we expect them, obviously, to get past Kiev um, in the second leg there and say they get a kind draw in the next step round. Then they're through to the semis. You know, they're only three wins or you know, the winning the semi final and then the winning the final from, you know, European glory, which would be amazing for them and that could potentially affect them there. And that's I think that's what United be hoping for. But then at the same time, you know, United they're still in the Europa League as well, aren't they? So uh European football could certainly have a factor um with this. But just back to Leicester quickly, I think what it's gonna be about in the next um couple of months is how they really handle this pressure because um I think it's either in uh, this month or next month. I think they've got five televised fixtures in a row. You know, all the pressure is going to be on. I know they've had a lot of spotlight as it as it is anyway, but it's going to be even more as we get even closer to the end of the season. It's whether these players, who a lot of them haven't been in a situation anything like this before, uh, whether they can handle it. Yeah, and it is going to be interesting to see how they they do handle it because everything, all the vibes you get from the club so far have been, you know, Claudio Ranieri is keeping expectations down a bit and. It's good to see they don't seem like they are feeling any pressure. There was maybe hints of it in that Norwich game, but that victory, if they hadn't won that Norwich game, I think the pressure would have been right on them and people would have been saying, you know, that, that Arsenal defeat has really burst their bubble and they they would have plummeted not from favourites to about third or maybe even fourth favourites in the title race had they not won that Norwich game. But to get that victory, I think, will raise belief again. And I do think the party line from the club is often is obviously that they're just happy to be here and... There is no pressure on the shoulders because whatever happens, they've had a great season far, far beyond anything they could have expected. And I do get that feeling from the club at the moment. And with the upcoming fixtures, most of them are pretty kind to them. Watford's the only one on the horizon, which really looks difficult in uh, upcoming in March. So the fixtures are kind for them, which is a, a big factor. If they can get a good amount of run of results after that, then I think the confidence will... Um, will supersede the the pressure that will be building on their shoulders when it gets to the final five, six games of the season and it actually becomes within touching distance of the title, that's when the real questions will ask, when it's not, you know we're happy to be here, it'll be more like we can't blow this now and those three final games, we mentioned them against United, Everton and Chelsea are going to be huge for them but for me so far, all the signs I've seen have been pretty pretty good that they're handling the pressure well so far and I think they'll continue to do so at least for the next few weeks Yep, so just uh, 11 games of the season left now and Leicester's still two points above Spurs uh, going into this midweek's fixtures. But um, let's go back to uh, yesterday and the showpiece match at Wembley. League Cup final, uh, Liverpool against Man City. City, probably the better team over most of it, but Liverpool uh, got back in it later on through Coutinho, forced extra time, uh, no goals next time and then penalties. Uh, City coming out on top 3-1 in the end. Uh, what did you make of the game? Yeah, it, was, it took a while to get going, I think. The second half was a lot more entertaining than the first. First was very very tense really and nothing to separate the two sides obviously Aguero hit the post a good save for Mignolet there but that was the only real chance for either side it was a very even match pretty much fought in the middle third of the pitch for the vast vast majority of it second half did improve a lot and that got sparked by a Mignolet error uh, from Fernandinho's goal really can't be letting that one go in in such a big moment and obviously the knives were being sharpened for Mignolet but he did redeem himself with a few unbelievable stops uh, later in mm. the second half and then an extra time as well really really good saves uh, a string of them I, th- I think there was three or so really good stops from Mignolet and sort of harked back to 
Jerzy Dudek in the 2005 Istanbul <laughs> final where he just looked unbeatable he was saving everything and you thought it could be Liverpool's day but obviously devastating for any side to lose on penalties for Klopp it's now four cup finals uh, in a row that he's lost he's he's reached the cup final for five consecutive seasons which is a good record including that Champions League final at Wembley it's a great record in cups but when he gets to the final he just he always seems to be on the losing side at the moment and yeah, you do have to say City deserved the win over the, over the 120 minutes. They were the better side, and they should have wrapped things up before Coutinho equalised Sterling against his former club. Missed two absolute mm. sitters, and as I mentioned, those Mignolet saves kept Liverpool in it as well. So City did deserve the victory, but that's not going to help um, Liverpool get over the result any any sooner. So devastating one to lose on penalties and. To, to miss the chance to pick up silver obviously he's still got the Europa League but to miss the chance to pick up that piece of silver just four months after taking over at the club will be uh, hard for Klopp to take as well there are positives to take from it they did slowly improve and they had their own chances uh, to win the game out finally after Coutinho lowered things on later on but for the vast majority of things Liverpool just never really got going in that match um, one real positive for Liverpool from the game if we just stick with them for a minute um, the performance of Lucas Labour at the back he was uh, he was immense back there wasn't he he was, and obviously there were big question marks. He's been fantastic there pretty much every time he's played there this season, but there's big question marks over how he'd stand up to the test of Aguero, who, as we know, is one of the best uh, strikers in world football, but he, he was immense at the back. He was probably man of the match, although uh, he ended up on the losing side. didn't deserve to end up on the losing side. He was clearing it. He was fantastic in the air, which was probably the most surprising thing. He, his positioning was superb, which again is surprising considering he's only really started playing there at times this season. And the fact that he was chosen ahead of Colo Torre to start at centre-back was a big sign of trusting him from um, Jurgen Klopp. And I, I wouldn't be too surprised to see him become... Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. One of the first choice centre-backs now. Obviously, Skirtle is still out. Uh, Lovren is out with illness. He's expected to come back soon. Um, Sacco, obviously, had to go off in that in that final with what looked like a bit of concussion. So, he might get a few chances to play in a couple of weeks. And if he puts in performances like, like that every week, he's first turning into Liverpool's best centre-back. It was a great display. Yeah, I would be quite surprised if he manages to... Because well, I think Skirtle and Lovren both should be back very soon. And, uh, you know, Sacco's been you know one of their better players at the back this season. But... It, it mean, yeah, like I said, if he keeps playing like that, then surely you have to keep playing him because he was so good back there. Um, as for Sissi, you talked about obviously disappointment for Jurgen Klopp, but for Manuel Pellegrini, um, you know that was the first trophy he won uh, in 2014. Uh, he's done it again uh, this year, and you know he, the reception he got from the City fans was tremendous at the end. You know, uh, standing ovation when he uh, you know lifted the trophy towards them, and you know he's 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 taken this all in his stride since um, since it was announced that he'd be leaving and uh, Guardiola coming in at the end of the season, but. He said after the game, you know, people questioned his decision to play Willy Caballero uh, in goal ahead of Joe Hart, um, but completely vindicated with you know some of the saves Caballero made in that shootout. I mean, the one from Lucas wasn't the, t- I mean, it wasn't the hardest, but he did really well to get his hand up. And then uh, the one was it from Lalana at the end. That was a really, really top save. You know, just really firm hand down down to his right, and he did superbly. And he said after the match that you know 
he'd rather lose the lose the final than go back on his work. He'd always said that um, Caballero was his League Cup goalkeeper, and you know he did well to choose him. And Caballero repaid the favour. I think it's Caballero's first trophy uh, since two thousand and three when he was with Boca Juniors. So a really special moment for him as well. But Pellegrini, you know, really happy after the match, and yeah, like you say, City really did deserve it, didn't they? They did, and Pellegrini deserves it as well. I think he's a classy fellow. He's that handled the whole thing with uh, with Guardiola with real class and I think when he got appointed there was a statement from the the board saying they wanted him to average a trophy trophy a season over the next five years and with that trophy he's done that now obviously won the league cup and Premier League um, in his first season in charge nothing last season but then got the league cup again this season and still in the Premier League still in the Champions League would be fantastic if he managed to take them all away in the Champions League I can't really see that happening but Premier League with a fully fit side back, that's still um, that's still up for grabs. That one, They've, obviously, we've mentioned already, he's got the game in hand that would take them back uh, to within uh, uh, six points of leaders Leicester. So they still got a chance in the Premier League, but I think that the most important thing was to sign off with at least one piece of silver. The League Cup was obviously them being in the final was obviously their their biggest uh, chance of doing that. And so it is good for him to get it. He, he really does deserve it because he's been. A, a good, a really good manager for Man City. He's been a likable guy throughout his whole time in charge. There's not been any incidents really where he's shown up badly. He's always uh, shown class when he's been involved in any sort of controversy or anything like that. So he certainly deserves it, I think. And as you mentioned, while Klopp would be disappointed not to start with a trophy, I think Pellegrini deserves to finish with one. Yeah, just um, touching on a couple of uh, City players that. Um, well, one's really impressed me. One hasn't at all. Uh, since Company came back, I think he's been really good um, because we we sort of mentioned earlier on this season uh, that the last couple of years he seemed to maybe lost his way a little bit. wasn't as solid as he first was, you know, when City, you know, leading City to the Premier League title. But he really impressed me. I thought he did really well against Sturridge yesterday. But then up the other end, I think Sterling's having a real shock of the last couple of months. I'm really not been in that impressed him. You mentioned uh, that miss that he had, but he lose he seems to lose the ball dribbling into. You know, just um, cul-de-sacs he, he can never get out of, and just really not impressing me personally. I don't know what your take is on those two players. Well, yeah, company has been fantastic. The the difference in just the cohesion between the defense is huge when he's been playing. And you think about the the two contrasting games between Liverpool and Man City this season, when Liverpool won four one at the Etihad without company playing, just the City defence was all at sea couldn't get to grips with Liverpool's just movement in attack and Liverpool actually started yesterday's final in a similar fashion with a lot of movement a lot of slick passing and Coutinho and Firmino popping up all over the place but there was no such problems for City that time because they had company marshalling the defence and then you know that bright start from Liverpool quickly fizzled out and they looked comfortable until the 83rd minute when uh, Coutinho got the equaliser. They looked really comfortable throughout the match. So yeah, he's been superb since coming back. And the, the difference between having him in the side and not is massive for Man City. And if he had been fit all season, I, I think they'd be top of the Premier League personally. As for Sterling, those misses yesterday were... If they'd gone on to lose the final, they would have been inexcusable really. He's, he's got to finish them. It's the one criticism really that's been uh, labelled at in most over the early stage of his career his finishing isn't really good enough if he can add goals to his game he's got all the attributes to become truly world class a really good player he did have a good game against Kiev you have to point that out for him he, he, he performed well in that match but he hasn't really hit the heights of a £50 million man so far for Man City for me obviously he's still young and I think he's got p- more potential probably than any other play- young player in England at the moment I think he's up there with maybe Deli Ali as well you put in that bracket as real stars of the future for England so you do need to give him a bit of time. He hasn't reached the £50 million heights yet 
just yet and he does need to add um, goals to his game but I think you, you give him a bit of time I think he is going to develop into a top class player uh, Is he in your England starting lineup for Euro 2016? Interesting one it, uh, that would change I think over the course of the rest of the season with Sturridge if he can stay fit and get firing Welbeck's obviously made a pretty quick uh, comeback as well so they'd all be in line to, to be in those attacking positions right now I think Sterling he probably would be in there. Oh. I, I think he would with, with maybe Ali and Barkley. Rooney, there's a question, big question mark over him, obviously with injury. So if he's not if he's not fit and uh, ready to go to the Euros, then Sterling obviously stands a better chance. But I think he'd just scrape him. But uh, there's so much that could change a lot by the time the Euros come about. I think. Oh, I just think there's so many players who are playing so much better this season than Sterling. You know, well, you got Kane and Vardy um, up front. You know, probably only one of those is going to start. Like you said. If Sturridge stays fit between now and the end of the season, he's then vying for maybe maybe Roy Hodgson even changes formation and go with two strikers and I know Sturridge could drop deeper. Then, like I say, you've got Rooney as well, who's the captain, obviously, and I know he's out injured at the moment. We're not sure how long it's going to take to come back and how he's going to play once he comes back. But if Rooney's fit, he's going to go. He's the captain, and you know we know that Roy likes him. He's probably going to play. And like I say, Deli Ali, fantastic season. I think he offers a lot more. Barkley, the same. I, I just think that they offer so much more than Sterling. Um, and I, I, I really, I mean, I think he might start just because he's obviously been an England regular now for, you know, a good year or so, a good year and a half. But when you compare that to some of the other players, um, I really don't think he should personally. Um, that's just my personal view. Um, but anyway, back to uh, Liverpool. And uh, just quickly, we're going to touch on um, the Europa League draw because when we uh, recorded the last episode on Friday, it was just before the Europa League draw was made. Um, Liverpool obviously getting Man United, bit of rivals going head to head in Europe uh, for the first time. Uh, as a Liverpool fan, pleased with the draw or not? Yeah, very pleased. It's a fantastic <laughs> job, I think. It's, it's about as good as one as you could hope for. Obviously, there's a lot of um, eyes on whether Liverpool would draw Dortmund because of the Jurgen Klopp connection, but to draw United, it would have been great at any stage of the Europa League. would have been a great final for any Liverpool or United fan, but to draw your, your biggest rivals, the two most successful clubs in English football history, to finally go head-to-head on the continental stage is a huge occasion. I think it's going to be a... a, a well... I don't get too excited. I don't know whether the actual games are going to be classics because neither side have exactly done justice to their their history so far this season. Neither side are at their best, but you know, as a as an occasion, I think it's going to be really special. It's going to be fantastic to see those two go head to head, and it'll be massive bragging rights to get the first European victory over either of their bitter rivals, whoever <laughs> manages to go through. And it's obviously such a huge competition for both clubs because the Champions League. Um, spot next season is potentially at stake if they can go all the way you mentioned United maybe back in the top four race Liverpool aren't in the top four race this season they've only got the Europa League to contend with United is still very high up on their priority list so there's a lot to play for for both sides and even if there wasn't anything to play for that that fixture always always brings up some big talking points and is always the the one both team uh, players from both clubs really want to win so I think it's going to be a fantastic occasion delighted with the draw yeah, yeah, it should be good. The only thing I'd say is that there was almost too many good draws in this last 16 stage, and I kind of worry maybe about uh, the last eight uh, quarterfinals and then on from there. But you know, the other one, obviously, everyone wanted to avoid Dortmund. Spurs get them. You know, you got Spurs, second best team in England this year. Dortmund uh, second in the Bundesliga. That's a fantastic tie on paper. You know, Spurs have been playing some great stuff this year. Dortmund, obviously, with Aubameyang and some of their other players, Royce. You know, they've got some absolute class. But I think that's the pick of the ties this round. I know Liverpool United all the history there and two English clubs but I think that game uh, Spurs and Dortmund should be an absolute cracker 
Uh, you look at some of the others as well, you know, two Spanish teams, uh, Valencia, um, Gary Neville's Valencia up against Bilbao, who uh, they lost 3-0 to the weekend um, at home in La Liga. So that's there's a there's a little bit of recent history there. Villarreal, Bayer Leverkusen, that's a good one because Bayer, they look good in their time. Uh, Villarreal knocked out uh, Napoli, didn't they, in the last round. So some really good teams there. But um, what's your take on the Spurs-Dortmund tie? Yeah, it should be a really good one. As, as you mentioned, if it's uh, you're just judging it on an actual game, what you expect to be the best game of the round, then yeah, it would be Dortmund. Tottenham Hotspur obviously I don't think that match is an occasion of Liverpool United one but just as everyone would have been wanting to avoid Dortmund I think everyone would have been wanting to avoid Tottenham as well because they as you mentioned they've been fantastic for them this season second in the Premier League and that three that 3-0 second leg win over Fiorentina okay Fiorentina were, weren't at their best in that game but it's a very impressive victory and to, to dump out one of Italy's be- better sides who they lost to uh, the season before shows the progress Tottenham are making at the moment and they'll go into that tie really confident that they can maybe progress to the next round as well and a good European run we've mentioned maybe it would go down the priority list in the uh, in terms of challenging on in, in the Premier League which would be their main goal for the season but I think if they can go on a good uh, European run as well and couple that with the Premier League it's going to be turning into a fantastic season especially if they can beat Dortmund if they get the scalp of British Dortmund it's going to be huge for Spurs and it is a really uh, uh, mouth-watering tie really that one it's a tough one to call I think Dortmund I think would be just about be favourites but Tottenham got a really good chance Yeah so would you say the winner of the whole thing comes from that tie? Potentially uh, there are other clubs who can who can do it I think both Liverpool and United will fancy their chances. Uh, Bilbao as well. Villarreal can't be underestimated, having beaten Napoli, of mm. course. And Leverkusen, you mentioned earlier, they've got some great players. Hernandez, in particular, in fantastic form. So, as we mentioned um, on in the last episode on Friday, there's so many teams there who would harbour realistic ambitions of going the whole way. But Dortmund and Tottenham would certainly be amongst the, the two favourites for me. Yeah, I'd say yeah. Watch out for Villarreal because that just reading back about that game uh, against Napoli, so impressive to beat them. And like I said, I think yeah, the winner of either Spurs Dortmund or uh, Villarreal Bayer, um, I fancy which it, one of those two teams whoever comes through those ties. Um, but let's uh, before we look ahead to uh, match day twenty eight in the Premier League, just a couple of other uh, games from last weekend. Um, you really enjoyed the West Brom Palace game, didn't you? Yeah, fantastic game that was. A- just out of the blue really I predicted mm. a nil-nil going into that because <laughs> both sides were in terrible form and just couldn't really even buy a goal yet alone a victory going into that game so it had all the makings of a pretty dull stalemate but you know, West Brom just came flying out the blocks Palace were dreadful in the first half but Pal- uh, West Brom raced into a three goal lead they only scored 24 goals all season before this mind you and they scored three goals in half an hour there the, th- the third of which was an absolute beauty great team goal and fantastic ball over the top and Berahino mm. finally starting to get a run of uh, starts in the team in the in the Premier League now and he's rewarding them with a goal there a really good finish from him and I think his inclusion um, Pulis likened it to Leicester missing Vardy all season or Tottenham missing Kane all season <laughs> the the fact that they've been missing him for the obviously he's been available but he hasn't really been in the right frame of mind and lacking perhaps a bit of match fitness as well so to have him back, he's apologised to the fans now. He should have his um, his mind set firmly on on the task at hand now for West Brom. So to have that back is a huge boost for West Brom. And they looked to have the game sewn up by half-time. It was so hard to see Palace coming back into it after they 
had put in a dreadful, dreadful first half performance and the form they were in as well. It's tough to see them scoring three goals, but they came back, they gave, made a good fist of it in the second half, a much improved performance. Belassi came on at half time, just changed things completely with his attacking run, and it was a really good performance from him. Obviously, Connor Wickham getting the two goals, his first two goals from open play all season, and the second of them was an absolute mm. worldiest, absolute uh, one of the best goals of the season, a certain goal yeah. of the season contender for me, just could not have struck that any better, could not have placed it any better. It was just a perfect strike from him. Unfortunately for Palace, they fell just short, but a lot of positives to take from that second half. First half performance was truly dreadful, probably the worst they would have put in under Pardew. They offered absolutely nothing. Adebayor, in particular up front, was just anonymous, completely anonymous. He got taken off at half-time, and they looked a different prospect. And well, they were ended another defeat. It's now 10 games without a win for Palace mm. in the Premier League, which is the longest run in the division. And they'll be looking over their shoulders now at the relegation zone. There are big positives to take from that second half, I think, which is important for them. Yeah, I was, just, I was really surprised to see that they've actually dropped all the way down to 14th now. Obviously, West Brom uh, going above them with that win. But, you know, 14th, Palace, considering where they were, and, you know, they're up there with the likes of West Ham and challenging up there with West Ham, you know, Man, Man United in the... Uh, uh, first half of the season but down in 14th now 32 points and I mean they've still got an 8 point cushion there to the bottom 3 and the way it looks you know with Swansea uh, getting beat the other day and it does look Bournemouth got a point as well so it still does look like it's going to be Sunderland Newcastle Norwich and Swansea two of those four uh, going down with Villa obviously and uh, I don't know has anything changed for you in the relegation battle recently who do you, do you still see uh, Norwich and Sunderland I think it was we picked before yeah, I do. I, th- I, th- I still there's a question mark over Sunderland though because as we mentioned him before, Sam Allardyce. I think this uh, the midweek game between Sunderland and Palace is a huge one. I, I mentioned that the positives Palace would take, but Sunderland are going into that game in the better form. Palace only got one point from the last eight uh, Premier League games, which which is relegation form. And a win for Sunderland there, as well as bringing the Black Hats out of the relegation zone potentially, would drop Palace into even bigger trouble, and it'll be. You know, I, it wasn't too long ago I was saying Palace were one good centre forward away from being Champions League contenders, and now they find <laughs> themselves in the relegation battle. So it has been a remarkable drop from them. I think Sunderland—they've shown over the last few weeks that they're going to make—they're going to make a real fight of it to try and survive. And Norwich, I would say, are probably going to go down. They're, they're in dreadful form at the moment. Newcastle—they've got—they've spent the money. They've got the players capable of staying up. But there's always that, that Allardyce and that Defoe factor over Sunderland. They can get the wins. And some of their performances re- recently have been much improved. OK, they haven't got great results recently. But the performances have given uh, cause for hope. And they've got a good chance. It's tough to call right now. I'd say, obviously, Aston Villa down. Norwich perhaps down. But it's it's too to- uh, close to call for me between the next two. Either uh, Newcastle or Sunderland probably. Swansea aren't out of it just yet. But Newcastle and Sunderland look like the, mo- the more likely of the two. Yeah, I actually say Sunderland maybe got the best chance out of those teams now because I've honestly re- really impressed them against West Ham. It was a really slow start to the game, uh, very windy, and then the pitch was not in a good condition either. But um, you know, it was dis- uh, Van Arnholt made a silly mistake. Uh, Antonio got it off him, and then Antonio scored a really good goal. But second half, especially Sunderland had so many good chances. Adrian made a couple of good saves, a couple of really bad misses as well. But Sunderland really impressed me. You know, beating United uh, the game before that as well. So. Um, honestly, I've been really impressed with them, and the way Swansea are going, you know, bar Fabianski making a string of saves, I think Spurs finished with about thirty-five uh, odd shots yesterday. You know, had he not, you know, put in, in such an inspired display, Spurs probably would have won that easier than they did. Um, and I'd, I, I think Swansea might be in a bit of trouble, really. And like you say, Newcastle, um, 
well they've got a game in hand now because they weren't because they, their game was affected with the League Cup final and then you look at the fixtures like I say that game for Sunderland against Palace is absolutely huge to them because when you can see who the other teams are playing uh, in midweek you've got Norwich at home to Chelsea and Chelsea playing a bit better so they weren't great at the weekend Chelsea but they managed to fight back from a goal down to win at Southampton who uh, they kept six clean sheets in a row hadn't they and you look at some of them, who the other teams are playing Villa they've got Everton uh, at home you expect Everton who didn't play at the weekend you expect them to win that one uh, Newcastle go to Stoke that's not an easy game either Swansea obviously going to Arsenal Arsenal going to be desperate to uh, get back to winning ways after their result of the weekend so like I said that game for Sun with the all the other fixtures th- uh, this week is massive for them uh, Sunderland as for the top of the table we've got two uh, real standout fixtures in the top half West Ham against Spurs uh, and then a rematch against Liv- uh, between Liverpool and City straight away um, which are those two games you're looking forward to more well, Liverpool City, obviously, it's going to be a, a good chance for Liverpool to get some immediate revenge on City. It's going to be interesting to see. Sometimes there's a bit of a hangover from the League Cup final, whether you're successful or unsuccessful. So it's, it's, it'll be interesting to see which team bounces back, mainly from that, particularly as it went all the way to penalties. There's going to be some tired legs there. You'd have to say, in terms of the Premier League, it's a much bigger game for City. They need a, a win, really, to, to stay in the title race and... A draw might just be enough, but a defeat would be a pretty damning blow to their title hopes, particularly if less if Leicester beat uh, West Brom the night before. So City could go go to Anfield twelve points off the pace in the title race, which is a huge, huge gap to to make up with what would only be ten games of the season left for the rest of the teams, eleven games of the season left for Man City. Real big ask for them, so it would put massive pressure on them going to Anfield if Leicester get the victory. As for the West Ham Tottenham game, always a really good game. I, I love those games. There's big rivalry between the two sides and London derby. It's always a good feel to the the game as as well. There's, it's often quite open, often quite a few goals and a huge game for Tottenham in particular for their title hopes as well. Again, Leicester playing the night before them got the chance to put the, um, the a real pressure on the the three teams directly below them in the table. Tottenham responded at the weekend. This will be a big, a much bigger test against West Ham, who themselves are in good form and who themselves have European ambitions because, you know, they're only one point behind Man- Manchester United, only four points behind the top four. You'd probably say Champions League is a bit beyond them this season, but they're certainly in good form. And under Bilic, you know, they're in, they've lost the same amount of games as Arsenal this season, so they're tough teams to beat. They could have a big say in the title race with a good result against Tottenham uh, this weekend and give them their own European hopes a massive boost. Yeah, I think, well, for Spurs, you know, that's six Premier League wins in a row now and, you know, managing to come from behind uh, against Swansea yesterday without, you know, Kane getting on the score sheet. You know, he was obviously wearing that mask with a broken nose. But now these two games they've got this week, West Ham uh, away, which, like you said, very big big occasion. And then even bigger at the weekend, Saturday lunchtime, uh, Spurs-Arsenal. Um, that is going to be a massive game, isn't it? Especially, well, depending on... You'd expect Arsenal to come past Swansea and say if Spurs... Say if they all win uh, in midweek, then that Arsenal-Spurs game. If Spurs then beat Arsenal there... Um, surely that's Arsenal's chances over, isn't it? Yeah, you'd have to think so, and it's pop, it's one of the biggest North London derbies in in recent times. I think that both sides of both teams obviously gunning for the title, and even if uh, Tottenham don't pick up the victory against West Ham and Arsenal do pick up the victory, I think it's going to be a, a massive, massive game because then it's almost make or break for either side in the title race. If whoever loses that game might be might be out of the title race, particularly if Leicester keep up their their form and um, and beat West Brom on the Tuesday. Uh, this weekend and then pick up another victory at the weekend as well so it's a huge huge game on the horizon for them but Tottenham can't really afford to to take one eye off West Ham because the Hammers are in good form themselves and a a real tough nut to crack if if they drop points at that they could lose some of the momentum that they built up over the last few weeks and that could have a pretty 
a big impact on their title hopes. Yeah. Um, okay. And just before uh, we finish this week, we're just going to quickly touch on uh, this weekend's La Liga action. Um, Barcelona last night home to Sevilla, um, who are in, incidentally the last team to actually beat them. Barca equaling the record, I think it was for a Spanish team's unbeaten run. I think it was is it thirty two around thirty two games. Thirty four, uh, I think. Yeah. Thirty four. Yeah. Two uh, one win against Sevilla. Um, fell behind in that game. Vitolo with the volley. Then Messi uh, scored an absolutely glorious free kick uh, right into the top corner. Uh, they come out with the win, but then you compare that to Real Madrid. Um, Madrid derby, they lose a home to Atletico. Uh, third year in a row that Atletico have won at the Bernabeu. And you know, after the game, Cristiano Ronaldo really not endearing himself to a lot of the media, a lot of the fans. He was criticising his teammates uh, openly. And when you compare what the stuff he's saying with, you know, I mean, I know he'd love to play alongside. You know, say if say if he had Suarez and Neymar either side of him, he'd be brilliant. But you know, you compare the the joy that Barcelona seem to always play with compared to if Ronaldo's not getting his way and now just openly criticising his teammates what do you make of that whole situation? Yeah you can't really do that can you I mean he is right if everyone was good at him <laughs> they would be top of the table but you know everyone's obviously not as good as him he's one of the greatest players of all time and there's nothing they can anyone at the club can do about the injuries really Bale's out Benzema was out um, in the Madrid derby as well so there's nothing he could do to criticise the players that came in and although he tried to temper it a bit by saying they are good players, they're just not as good as Bale or Benzema, whatever way you slice it. It's a, it's a pretty damning indictment on the players mm. that they're not good enough to compete with the likes of Barcelona and Atletico Madrid. And it's never going to go down well criticising any teammates. If you're going to if you're gonna dig any teammates out, it's got to be in private. You can't do it in public. So I think that was pretty unprofessional from, from Ronaldo. It's probably frustration because that's really the result that completely kills off their title hopes. 12 points behind Barcelona now and... With Barcelona in that form, that is an unassailable gap. It's, there's no chance of them uh, bringing that back. So probably frustration at finally surrendering the title to Barcelona. But you know you've got to keep your head there. You can't really. Maybe it was a call for uh, uh, Madrid to invest in a bit more depth in their squad. But even so, do that privately as well. You can't. You can't really excuse what um, Ronaldo said there. And you you mentioned the contrast between Barcelona. There's only good things. Can, you, that front three just seems to get on so well and that seems to be part of why they are so good. And, yeah, as I mentioned, they look unstoppable. Atletico Madrid maybe got a slither of a hope still with that victory at, uh, at the Bernabeu, but they're eight points behind and it would take a, a, a very unlikely collapse from Barcelona to give them any chance as well. So it looks like Barcelona's title again. And to be honest, it looks like they're on course for a second consecutive treble, which would be an unbelievable achievement. Yeah, if they manage that, that would be incredible. And I mean, as for Real, you know, you look at the table now, Villarreal uh, just behind them, only two points behind them now. I mean, you know, if they don't sort it out soon, there's a chance that they might be, you know, battling to stay in that top three. And considering the players they've got, no matter how much Ronaldo complains or if he thinks the squad's not good enough, you know, they, they're the ones every year who uh, always sign in players. And, you know, especially where they've got um, potential transfer ban coming up as well, haven't they? So be interested to see where the club's going but you know it all started so well for Zidane didn't it but just going a bit rocky and I think well, the Champions League is obviously the big thing for them now isn't it they had a, uh, a good result in the first leg against Roma and you expect them to go through but that's I mean obviously like you said 12 points to Barca um, now with all the same amount of games played as well there's no chance uh, they're getting that back but if they can say if they meet I mean it'd be amazing if they meet in uh, in the Champions League or if, if they can you know edge Barca to the Champions League title that would you know certainly be make it a success somewhat this season but uh, those two, they, they, they play midweek as well, like the Premier League. Madrid there at Levante this week. Barca, they go to Vallecano. Uh, that's two games uh, you can follow on sportsmore.co.uk uh, in midweek. We've also got live individual coverage of all 10 Premier League games 
on Tuesday and Wednesday. Uh, my thanks to Barney for joining us again this week. Um, we'll be back for the next episode of the podcast on Thursday. See you then. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.